I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. Psalm 119. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commands carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learned your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find, find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws. As much as in your riches, I will study your commands and reflect your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Be good to your servant that I may live and obey your word. Obey my eyes, open my eyes to see your wonderful truths in your instructions. I am only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commands from me. I am, I am always overwhelmed with a desire for your regulations. You rebuke the arrogant. Those who wander from your command are cursed. Don't let the scorn and don't let them scorn and insult me. For I have obeyed your laws. Even princes sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your decrees. Your laws please me, and they give me wise advice. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Come on, give God a hand for the reading of his word. You may be seated. Thank you so much. This month of October, every year is designated as Pastor Appreciation Month. I always just joke that uh, pastors get a whole month and mothers only get one Sunday. So I think mothers do a wonderful job. But it is a, it is a month where in our nation they celebrate pastors of churches. And so I felt like no better way to celebrate Pastor Appreciation Month than every single Sunday to bring in the pastors and the people that have influenced my life and Robin's life, have poured into us, have helped us grow, have been patient with us, have pushed us. Some are my friends, some are my mentors, some are my spiritual father's mother. And uh, it's an honor this month to just pass along to you uh, the people that have tattooed my soul with God and who give me great hope and who help me run the race and keep going on the times I felt like giving up. And as I said a moment ago during the worship, the times I felt like, where is God when I need him most? I'm so thankful that I had people that would say he's here and who would encourage me with me and walk with me. So today is a wonderful day for those of you who may not know. My mom and dad moved here in 1990 and bought this church building. It looked nothing like this at the time. And it was a little church on a corner. It had uh, chandeliers, red carpet, red pews, and, 
and they started a church with a huge congregation of no one. Uh, they had zero people, but they felt God told them to come here, and they started a church on the corner of this property here called Believer's Church in the fall of 1990 with nobody and uh, just a word of the Lord to come and begin to preach the gospel. And we are the 30-year product of a man and a woman who took a step of faith to trust God when everything seemed contrary that it would even work. Uh, when you open the door and two people show up, but you just keep planting and planting and planting. And so the funny thing about it is we're the generation that gets to reap the hard work of mom and dad who did all the toiling and all the labor. And so I felt like what better way to start off Pastor Appreciation Month than with the mom and the dad who started the place. So first service will be my dad speaking. Second service will be my mom speaking. And I can think of no better way to honor and appreciate than the original shepherds, pastors, and founders of Believer's Church. So would you just stand up and give my dad a hand as he comes today to share the word of the Lord. Love you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, we remember those good old days when you have to pray and believe somebody will show up <laughs> and you thank God when they do. Praise God. Well, my scripture today is, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I know a lot about trying to get there, but I can remember days when I wasn't there. I was born in 1936, and they say that was the coming out of the Great Depression. So even though we were poor, we didn't know we were poor because everybody was poor. And you didn't have what you have today. If you wanted to have a toy, you had to make your toy. Any of you remember making bow and arrows and making football out of socks and putting cotton in it? And, and one of the things that as a young kid is they had what we call picture shows. Now, I think they call them movies today, but in, in my day, they were picture shows. And on Saturday, every kid, because you didn't have television, you didn't have telephones and things that you have today. But on Saturday, they had a B-grade cowboy movie and a serial. And the serial was, went from Saturday to Saturday to Saturday. Now, everything in you wanted to try to get 25 cents. Because if you got 25 cents, you could pay a dime to get into the movie, a nickel to get a bag of popcorn, a nickel to get a coat. And then after the movie, you could... Go to the drugstore and pay a nickel and get an ice cream cone. If you had a quarter, you were rich. You were prosperous. If you had a quarter, you were prosperous. You just always, whatever you had to do during the week to get a quarter, you did it. Back then, you had bottles, had deposits on them, and you could look in dishes and find Coke bottles and, and redeem them for two or three cents. But by the end of the week, you had a quarter. Hey, I'm rich. I can go to the picture show, get me some popcorn, and have a great time. And then 
After I grew up, I went in the Navy. I I got out of high school on Friday, went in the Navy on Monday, and this was during the Korean War. And I was paid in the Navy $87 a month. And my brother and I were buying a farm for my parents, and I was paying $25 a month, and he was paying $25 a month. That left me about $60 a month. I didn't feel like I was prospering, (laughs) but I was living. I got out of the Navy and went to the University of Alabama. I went on the GI Bill, and I got $100 a month. And I worked for the ROTC and got $12.50 a week. And... I'm going to college and I'm paying my bills and I'm eating. And, uh, and you know, that was a pretty good prosperous for me. So I'm doing pretty good. And then in 1959, our senior year at the University of Alabama, I met June, took her on a blind, blind date, and she just fell in love with me, oh, head over heels in love with me. <laughs> just followed me around the campus like a little puppy dog. And, and after about two or three months, we were sitting in the study hall and, and I passed a note to her. And I said, I believe we can afford to get married. <laughs> can you imagine any dumber than a person that's getting $100 a month on a GI Bill, paying $25 out to buy a farm with that, and then I've got to pay my my dues at the University of Alabama and I've got to eat, buy my, what little clothes I could buy. And I'm sitting in the study hall and I pass a note to June, I believe we can afford to get married. <laughs> I didn't know what was involved with marriage. <laughs> and then I found out you had to have a ring. <laughs> I don't have ring money. Her daddy, her daddy bought me a ring to give to her. I didn't have a suit to get married in. Her daddy bought me a suit to get married in. I didn't have a vehicle to drive. And after we were married, he let me use his vehicle to take his daughter away from him. I'm telling you, after about three weeks, I thought, man, your dad was anxious to get you out of the house. And then we get out of the, we graduated from the University of Alabama in 1960. And I got a job in her hometown, which was Gadsden, Alabama. I was making $368 a month out of college, college degree, $368 a month. And we were having a baby. And the hospital bill and the doctor bill and everything about the pregnancy, five days in the hospital, doctor to deliver the baby, $300. <laughs> what age did I come from? <laughs> but anyway, we're married, and you know, we're making it, and you know, I didn't know anything about prospering, though. I didn't know anything about how you're going to prosper. And she started going to the church she grew up in, which was the East Gadsden Methodist Church, and I thought, I don't my well, I have to go and this church and everybody thinks she's married to an old reprobate that won't go to church. So I started going to church with her on Sunday morning. And I wouldn't go on Sunday night. I didn't want to be a fanatic and go on Wednesday night. 
Sunday nights, I'd go on Sunday morning. One Sunday morning, the pastor, before he, dis, before he dismissed, said, now tonight, the young people are going to have the service and tell you what happened at camp. Well, I was working with the young people. I didn't know anything had happened at camp. So I thought, I'd better go back tonight and find out. And I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to stay for the whole service, so I thought, well, I'll just slip in after the church starts, and I'll sit on the back pew, and there was a column that you could kind of hide behind. I'll sit behind that column, and when I find out what happened, I'll just slip out and go back home because I want to watch Adventures in Paradise on Sunday night. <laughs> and so I slip in, and I'm sitting on the back pew, and about 15 or 20 young people started getting up, and they were crying, and they were laughing, and they were saying, God's alive, God's real. You can pray, and God will hear you when you pray, and God's so good. And I'm telling you, sitting on the back pew of the East Gadsden Methodist Church, I began to weep like a baby. I didn't know that's what God's like. I thought God's a religion you go to once a week on Sunday morning, but they said God's alive, God's real. And, uh, you know, I, all I did was cry. I cried for about a week and a half or two weeks, and then we had a lay witness renewal, and all these laymen came in, and they're talking about God being real, and I'm crying again. But I didn't know what to do. But somebody gave me a track. Don't remember how I got it, but I got a track, and the name of the track was God Can't Lie. Not God doesn't lie. God can't lie. And it said, this is what God says in his word. If you'll confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and then repent, that means change your mind. Instead of going your way, you decide I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go God's way. If you would repent and turn your life over to God, you'd be saved. And they said you'd have to be saved because God can't lie. And so sitting in the East Gadsden Methodist Church on a Saturday afternoon in the sanctuary by myself, I said, I'm going to do what that track said do. And I was sitting there, and I just said, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, and I do believe that God raised you from the dead. And I said, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you with my whole heart. And I didn't, I didn't hear thunder and lightning, but I want you to know something happened on the inside of me that turned my old dead religious trying to do good things into a new creature that loved God with my whole heart. And I decided there's nothing better in life than to live for God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I got up on Monday morning and I had a cold, and I had hay fever, and I was stopped up. And I walked out of my house toward my automobile, and as I was walking across the yard to my vehicle, I heard these words. God said you could pray, or no, those young people said, God said you could pray, and God would hear you when you pray. And sitting in my vehicle, I said, oh, God, heal me of this cold. I started my vehicle, backed out of the driveway, got in front of my house, and I was totally healed from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I did not have a sniffle. I did not have congestion. I was totally and completely healed. And I said to God, what can I do to make you proud of me? 
And from that day to this, I've lived 24 hours a day, seven days a week, saying that God's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. There's nothing better than God. There's no way to go but with God. If you don't have God in your life, you're not living because God is life. And I want to tell you something today that I got on the choo-choo train that takes you to prosperity because if you don't have God, there's no way you can be prosperous. But I want you to know with God, if you'll put him first in your life, there is nothing that you will lack through life that God won't some way, somehow, always come through for you and he'll always do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think because God's bigger than life. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than anything you can think about. God is real. And then one day I ran across this scripture. This was several years ago. I was reading in the book of Genesis, just, you know, like Mark says, I read the Bible every day. And so I was just reading the Bible. And I got into Genesis 39, verse 2. And in Genesis 39, verse 2, It says, and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. Now let me give you a little background of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob. And you know if you study the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob front of the big three. Jacob had 12 sons. Later on, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and those 12 boys became the 12 tribes of Israel. Number 11 son was Joseph. And the Bible says in Genesis that Jacob loved Joseph more than all the other sons. And he gave him a coat of many colors, And then Joseph had a couple of dreams that really, his brothers hated him already because he was the dead's favorite. But then Joseph has a dream and in the dream, they're out in the field and they all have sheaves and all the other brothers' sheaves fell over and gave obedience to Joseph's sheave. And he shared that dream. Well, they got madder and madder. And then he had another dream and in this dream he saw the sun, the moon, and 11, 11 stars bow down to his star. Well, now, if you thought he was mad with the sheaves, they got madder. Even his dad got mad at him because he shared that dream. But then one day, the 11, the 11 other boys were out tending to the sheep in, in Dothan, and Jacob said to Joseph, I want you to go and check on the boys. So he goes, and when they see him coming, those 11 brothers conspired that they would kill him. But instead of killing him, one of the brothers said, well, let's don't kill him, let's throw him in a pit. So they did, but in his plan was he'd go back later and get him out and take him back home to his daddy. But while he was doing something else, those other brothers saw a caravan come and said, let's say, instead of, instead of killing him, let's sell him as a slave. So they sold him to a slave, took him to Egypt, 
and he was in Potiphar's household and he was a slave in Potiphar's household. Now, that's when the scripture says, and he was a prosperous man. So now we're going to have to come to a, a little conclusion that prosperity is not dependent upon circumstances. He's a slave. And then Potiphar's wife accuses him of trying to rape her, which he was not, he was wrongly accused. He was thrown into prison. In prison. Falsely accused in prison. And the Bible says, in prison, while he was there, that he was also prosperous in prison. He was a prosperous man in prison. Now, that just kind of blew me away. I mean, here we are down here, everything's going good for us, and if, you know, if we halfway prosperous, you know, it's just accidental almost. But here's a man, a slave. Here's a man that's thrown in prison, and in prison, he said he was a prosperous man. He prospered in prison. And I said, God, I just don't understand that. You know, here he is. He's hated by his brothers. He's uh, thrown into prison. He's a slave. He's a prisoner. And he's prosperous. What did he do? Now, this was, this was just as clear as a bell. The Lord spoke to me when I prayed that prayer. I mean, I heard it. This was no... This was no fluke. I didn't make this up. The Lord said he prospered because he thought right. He talked right. He lived right. And he had favor with God and with man. Well, thank God. If he can do it, I can do it. If he can do it, I can do it. But I've got to start thinking right. Did you know your old mind, if you don't control it, it'll think all kind of horrible, dirty, sorry, defeated, uncontrollable things. And it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And you'll begin to speak what you're thinking. And the Bible says in James 3 that your tongue is a rudder. Whatever you're saying, that's the way you will go. If you're talking doubt and unbelief and fear and can't do it and hope something good will happen, you're going to live on a very poverty level. But if you'll wind up and say, I don't have to think everything that flows through my head. I don't have to take, Jesus said, take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. In other words, I can't help having a thought. But I don't have to say, oh me, oh my, what am I going to do in this sad situation of life with no money, with no way to go? How am I going to make it? No, you've just took that thought and you've set a rudder, of course, that says you're going to have poverty. You're not going to be successful in life. You've got to turn around and say, no, devil, I don't care what I'm thinking, but I want you to know that God said that I was more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. All things good can come my way. I don't have to live down and out and unprosperous. I can live above the way the world lives because I've got God on my side. 
And when you begin to change the way you talk and the, and the way that you're thinking and don't, you know, I heard somebody say this one time, you can't help birds flying over your head, but you don't have to let them make a nest in your hair. That's a good way to put it. I mean, you can't help having a thought, but you can do something about the thought. You don't have to take the thought. You can say the opposite of what you're thinking. If the devil's telling you you're going to die, you don't have to say, oh, I'm going to die, probably die tomorrow. No, you have to say, no, I'll live long and not die. With long life will he satisfy me and show me his salvation. Your words are very important. And then he lived right. He lived right. Be not deceived. The New Testament says this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man doeth, the same shall receive of the Lord, whether you be bond or free. In other words, you'll reap what you sow. Whatsoever a man doeth, that will he also reap. You're going to reap what you sow. It's a law. You better watch what you do. If you gossip, somebody will gossip about you. If you act ugly with your wife, somebody will act ugly with you. You're going to reap it. It's a law. It is a law that is unbreakable. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you talk ugly, somebody will talk ugly to you. If you give the third finger of fellowship to somebody, they'll fellowship you back. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. That's an awesome thought, whatever you sow. You know, you go around grumbling all the time, people are going to grumble about you. You've got to watch what you say. You've got to watch what you think. You've got to watch what you do because we're living in a spiritual world whether we want to or not. And God has already said, this is absolutely the truth. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And if you speak it, you'll go that way. And then he said he had favor with God and man. Well, the Bible in the New Testament says we have favor with God and man. Now, favor means, the definition of favor is partiality, goodwill, and support. That's the Bible definition, I mean the dictionary definition. Partiality, that means that God's partial to me. And did you know God is not a man? God is God. He's not only partial to me. If you believe it, he's partial to you. See, you have to believe, you have to have faith that God can't lie. I have favor with God. I have favor with man. I know when I found this out years ago, I never go anywhere. That before I get there, I say, well, God, I thank you that I have divine favor with this person. They're going to have favor with me, toward me. And you know, it works. God not only gives you favor, but he causes people to favor you. You have favor and don't even know it. You think everybody hates you? No, 
If you're serving God and living by faith and believing that the word of God is true, people don't hate you. They don't know why, but they still like you. They love you. They think you're pretty good because God said, I'll give you favor. I'll make people partial towards you. I'll give you goodwill. I'll get them to support you. And people are just, uh, you know, you'll just find that the strangest people sometimes will bless you. And you wonder, I wonder how in the world they wanted to bless me. Well, they're partial toward me. I've got favor. People think I'm wonderful. If you'll believe it, they'll think you're wonderful. If all you do is grumble and complain, nobody ever likes me, nobody ever gives me anything. If bad things are going to happen, it'll probably knock on my door. You know, everything I do just turns to nothing. Well, you're getting what you're talking about. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to change the way you talk. You've got to believe that God gives you favor. Not only does God favor you, but he causes people to favor you. Now, if, you're gonna, if you can grab hold of that and begin to live in it, things will begin to change. But here's something that I think we Christians need to face up to. We, we treat Christianity like it's just kind of a little optional thing to do to make you feel like, you know, you've kind of at least halfway spiritual and at least you can say, I go to church and, you know, I, you know, I kind of read my Bible on my birthday or sometimes like that. But, you know, I'm telling you, this is a life and death proposition. It is a difference between poverty and prosperity. It's a difference between heaven and hell. This is not a little play toy you pick up when you want to. This is a supernatural way to live that causes the grace of God to abound toward you in multiple ways. And faith cannot be picked up when problem comes. Faith has to become a way of life when every day, every day is a day of faith. Every day you get up, you have to decide, I'm going to serve God today. I'm going to live for God today. I'm going to read the Bible today. I'm going to believe God for things today. You know, I don't know where we miss this. The Bible says that you have to press into the things of God. You have to press into the things of God. You have to, one, one scripture says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violent, and the violent take it. By force. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on to salvation. Press your way into the things of God. You have to start believing God. You know, one of the, the greatest testimonies of my life is when I found out that tithing was in the Bible and that that tithe belonged to God. Didn't belong to me, it belonged to God. And if I spend my tithe, it's not my tithe, it's God's tithe. I'm robbing God. Now I found that out after I'd been saved about, you know, about two or three weeks. And I thought, well, dear God, I'm not going to rob God. And I proved you I couldn't tithe. 
that I'd go broke. But I said, if I starve to death, I won't take God's tithe. You see what I'm, I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I'm not going to tithe if God reigns out of heaven and says this is tithe. I'm going to tithe because it's God's tithe. And I may have to press my way into it. I may have to fight to hang in there when the devil's telling me you ought to spend that tithe on, on your wife or on your children or, or buy some food with it. No, sir, I'm not going to steal from God. This is God's tithe. Ah, you press your way into it. You hold on to it. That's the way you grow in faith. Do you know the Bible says that God deals to every man a, the measure of faith. You've got enough faith to get saved, but if you want to live prosperous down here on this earth, you better get further than just saving faith. You better let your faith grow exceedingly. You better have great faith. You better have strong faith. You better hang in there when everybody around you is falling apart. You better say, no, God said, and my God can't lie, and I'm going to hang in here, and God's going to bring me through. You have to press into that. You have to press into it. You have to fight for it. I know one of the things that, that is a, really a curse is debt. And us Christians just kind of swallow along with it like the rest of the world. Debt is a tool of the devil to put you in bondage. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you put something on the credit card and pay it off. I'm talking about where you get into the bondage of debt and you get into the place where if you don't borrow money this month, you're not going to make it. That's, that's a curse. That's a bondage. And I'll never forget, this was in the, this was in the late 70s, or about mid-70s, somewhere in there. I was just minding my own business and the Lord woke me up one night and said, I want you to get out of debt. And I said, now, God, now I did. I, I had a, a legal page full of debt. Now I'm paying my bills, but my debt's going up. That is a trap that will catch up with you. And I said, I said to God, I said, how, how can I get out of debt? He said, well, you have to keep, you have to pay, your, you have to keep paying and stop borrowing. I said, now, God, if I do that, I have nothing left over to live on. And he said, well, that, then that's where the Lord said, why don't you believe me more than your credit card? That shook me up. I can believe God. For unbelievable things. And so I went to June because he said, you better work this out with your wife. <laughs> because if two are in agreement, you can do anything. But if you're in strife, you can do nothing. So I went to her and I said, this is what God showed me. And she just jumped right on board and said, yeah, let's get out of debt. And so about somewhere around 1977, before we went full-time into the ministry, we started believing God that we would, if we couldn't get it by faith, we'd do without it. Yeah. Now I'm telling you, the, the, this is where you have to start practicing faith. Yeah. You don't live through life because it's easy. 
if you're going to serve God with any victory, you're going to have to have a backbone. You're going to have to have some gumption. You're going to have to decide God really cannot lie. And he said, all things are possible if you'll believe. All things are possible if you'll believe. So in 1977, somewhere in there, we made this a pact together. If we can't get it by faith, we'll do without it. And that's a big decision because you better know the devil will not let you float into anything. The devil will fight you tooth and no toenail and say it can't be done. It can't be done. You'll not make it. You'll die. You'll starve to death. You won't pay your bills. You'll go to debtor's court. Since 1977, I've never starved. (laughs) I've never lacked any good thing. And I never borrowed more than I could pay off. In the, you know, I use, I love a credit card, but I never charge more than I can pay off in a month. Because if you don't pay it off, oh, it's easy to charge another month. I know the thing we were dealing with, they didn't have credit cards when we were back then, but Sears was the first one I remember came out with the easy payment plan. The easy payment plan. And if you needed anything, well, it'll just increase your payment, you know, another $3 a month. Well, now you can do that for a couple of months, but I'm telling you, after 64 months not paying and borrowing, you can get in bondage to debt. Bondage to debt. So why don't we start believing God more than our credit card or more than the what the bank will do. God is better, more generous than any worldly corporation's ever been. So why don't we start believing God, holding on to God? God said that I would never lack any good thing. God said, if two of you on earth shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father in heaven. I can remember many times, I'm one of the first things, out the very week that we decided if we can't get it by faith, we'll do without it. Our dishwasher broke. You know, and well, it's going to cost three or $400 to get a new dishwasher. And uh, I said, well, I didn't know we'd have to believe God for $300 right off the bat. <laughs> Maybe I could go to Sears and get us one. They'd just increase their payment probably another $11 a month or something. But then thank God we stood still and said no. No. Let's agree God will give us a dishwasher. Before two weeks were over, we had a new dishwasher we didn't pay for. There has to be the faith out of no. This is the only way to live. We must live by faith. The just shall 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 live by faith. I don't have to borrow money like worldly people do. I don't have to. Now, I'm not talking about houses and big things. You know, very few people can believe God for a house. Very few people can believe God for a new automobile. But 
Start where you are and believe for something. Believe that God will do supernatural things and God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, Brother Gene did pretty good there, boy. <laughs> Praise God. Now, stand to your feet and lay your hands on yourself. Stand up. I'm going to pray God will give us all some backbone and some determination. The devil's not going to defeat us. Circumstances are not going to defeat us. This economy is not going to defeat us. This COVID virus is not going to defeat us. How many of you will actually in your, I know you mentally agree with this. God is bigger than viruses and God's bigger than the devil and God's bigger than debt and God's bigger than anything you're facing in life. But folks, don't just mentally agree with it. Make a stand for God. Make a stand that I'm going to believe God. I may not be able to believe God, uh, you know, like maybe somebody else can, but I can believe God for something. I can believe God for something. I can believe God to tithe. I believe everybody can believe God to tithe. But believe for something. Exercise your faith. Exercise it. Let it get strong. The Bible says there's such a thing as great faith. Don't you want to get there? Just don't dabble around down here in pity and doubt and unbelief and crying and hoping something will work out. Stand up. Stand up. Hold you back a little bit. Look to the devil and say, devil, God's bigger than you. God's bigger than you. God's on my side. And I'm going to believe God. So, Father, as these people lay their hands on their own self, I pray for them. I ask you, Lord, to give all of us boldness to stand up, to believe you for bigger things, greater things. Let us press our way into the things of God. Don't let us just take Christianity as just something that we do as to have something to pacify us on a Sunday or just something that we refer to. Yeah, I'm a Christian. No, let us be on fire, dedicated, believing Christians that serve God with our whole heart. And Lord, I pray for these people that you would do that for all of us that have hands on our own body, that you're going to help us, encourage us, meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And Lord, we desire during this time when the world seems to be falling apart, that right in the middle of that, that we can stand up and boldly proclaim, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it as a victor. I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm coming out of this with a good testimony. God's on my side. Lord, let that be our testimony, that we trust the living God. We trust a God that's alive and well and doing wonderfully well in this day and age that we're living in. We thank you for that, Father. Now, Lord, I bless these people. I bless them and ask you to touch them and help them and encourage them. And now I want all of you to say this, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I do believe your word. Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I do believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And from this day forward, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to grow in faith.
I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm going up, not down. God's on my side. I'm proud to be a Christian. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm an overcomer. Thank you, Father, that you've heard my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, while you're standing, we have up here communion. We're going to end with communion. You'll come up. You'll take the elements, dip it, or we have some that's in packages that you can take. If you don't want to dip it, we also have our giving baskets where you can give. And when you put it in there, don't just put it in with a, you know, it's, it's a duty. No, it is a privilege. It's a privilege to have a place that receives those tithes and offerings. So bring your offerings and that, and we have people that are praying, our elders and prayer teams are standing up here. If you need prayer, you're in a good place. God's an answer of prayer. Lord, we thank you for that. I bless these people now, Lord, and we receive this communion in faith, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may come. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 